Good morning, One Hope. Are you all well? It's a bit dark in here, isn't it? Okay, forget about the rugby for 30 minutes. By the way, I got the closest score to the, east, the island in Scotland, am I right? Don't listen right now in holiday mode either. I know that many of you are taking a break. Don't worry about tomorrow's workload. Forget about the traffic. I can almost not forget about the traffic. It's been so hectic. Forget about the test. Who's got tests coming up? Or, oh, okay, forget about them for a while. And read with me a short, easy to understand Psalm of David. This morning, I hope to stir your faith through this very simple message in Psalm 8. And it's amazing that the words that have been coming through right now are in line with what I believe God has to speak to you. And miskin is our iemand hier so, en jy dink, jy kan nie. Jy kan nie die Heere kom sien. Jy kan nie nader kom nie. From the humblest guy like Johannes at the back there, to the most qualified person here, the Heere Jesus, hy soek jou hart. He wants you. He loves you. And Donnie said that we were going to sing that last song to focus on the cross of Jesus. Whatever I am going to be sharing with you this morning, at the end of the day, the cross of Jesus is what it's all about. I don't care where you've come from. Well, I do. (laughs) But it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you've done in your lives. There are many people here. There are many sins here. And me being the eldest, I've done more sins than any of you. I've got more reason to go to the cross. But he wants you to come to the cross. And I hope that through the psalm that I will share this morning, you will understand what I mean by come to the cross. Sometimes our language as Christians becomes a little bit confusing. The blood of Jesus is going to wash you clean. It does. But you need to understand what does that mean. And I also believe that there is, amongst those people that was uh, spoken of earlier on, that you do not believe that God would want you to come to him. That the goodness of God is for you. The goodness of God is for each and every single one of us. You know, Romans tells us that in Romans 15, everything that was written in the past, in other words, Everything that was written in this book, I'll be honest with you, I'm a bit old-fashioned. I don't like the phone thingamajig. Uh, I think one day you're going to have something in front of you over here. But everything that was written in the past, all of this was written in the past, was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. Who wants hope? Who wants hope in your heart? Do you want hope in your heart? Who wants courage? Anybody want courage? Who wants endurance like Christian to run 21 kilometers in how many minutes? 90 minutes. It's crazy. Who wants endurance like that? Or endurance like that purple Ford Escort outside? That belongs to an electrical engineer. Do you want this hope? Do you want this courage? 
Do you want that endurance? I've got no more endurance. My arm is all funny. I hope you. <laughs> well, you need to go to the scriptures because it says that that's where we get our hope from and our courage. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. There's nothing that I can say to you. There's no experience in my life that I can share with you that will give you hope. Only the word of God will do that. Only Jesus will do that. Do you have that picture of the frame? So I want to just look at that. That's my own handiwork. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I, I was trying to get the, that in all four corners, but in, in all four sides. But anyway, so this is the framework of Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And the cornerstone is Jesus. You know what, what Sergius shared here earlier on? This is, this is beautiful. This is family. This is, this is what we call church. Church is not a thing that you do on a Sunday because that's your tick box moment. God's not going to say to you, okay, so Monday to Saturday you did your work, and on Sunday did you go to church? Did you go to Acrestow Primary Hall and do your thing? Did you pack a chair or hang up a banner? No. What Sergio did, what Paul shared, this is church. It's family. And Jesus is our cornerstone. The cross of Calvary is why we're here. So let's read Psalm 8, rehearsing who God is in song. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man, that you take care of him. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler of the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Now this psalm, which is written by David, um, David's not asking if his name is majestic. He's not suggesting, is it true that God's name is, is majestic? No. David is declaring, Lord as Adonai. You'll know, I didn't do it there. Okay, never mind. O Lord is written in capital letters. It's God's name. David is saying, Adonai. O Adonai. Yahweh, the Lord. El Shaddai. 
ก็โรมาจีเอลอฮิมก็เดวิด is declaring right from the beginning who God is that's why I say this is the framework that David uses David is putting God in his rightful place do you and I Do we put God in His rightful place on the earth and beyond? This is where we have to start each and every single day. I don't know how you started your day today, but tomorrow morning, Monday morning, I hope that you start your day by putting God, Adonai, God Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. I, I really pray and hope and trust that you put Him first. You know, some of these days I had—I've just started with my new job, and I travelled from Somerset West to Monte Gardens. What an absolute nightmare! <laughs> and uh, a friend of mine who is overseas, Grant—some of you know him, Grant Caldwell—he said, "Wow, but what an! I know what you're going to be doing. You're going to be spending time praising God." <laughs> well, I'm here to confess <laughs> that I haven't all the time. The traffic is unbelievably horrific. The N2 is just crazy. There's two lanes, but there's actually five, and the N1 doesn't get any better. My point is, how do we start our day? Do we put God where David did? O oh Lord, O oh Lord, in capital words, capital letters. And so it's very important for us when we get up in the morning to get dressed properly. You don't go to work with half a suit, or do you get? Is there such things as suits yet? I know Peter's got one. We get dressed with the full armor of God, which you'll read about in Ephesians six. The full armor of God: helmet of salvation, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, feet fitted with the gospel of peace, shield of faith. Sword of the Spirit. This is how we get dressed first, and you will read in verse six that it starts like this. It starts with, "Be strong in the Lord and His mighty power." Not my mighty power. Not my strengths. Not my cleverness. Not my education. Not my right standing in society or my position in the company. No. We put on the armor, and we rely on His mighty power. How many of you here? Don't put up your hand. Feel unworthy or less. Okay, I'm going to give you literally 30 seconds to answer this question in your mind, in your heart. How many of you feel unworthy or less of a person than other people? Put up your hand inside. Isn't it sad that you would feel unworthy? Or, <clears throat> sorry, less of a person. Having a healthy perspective about yourself because of a healthy perspective of who God is. First, consider who God is and what He has done, not what we have done and achieved. 
Psalm 16 says, I said to the Lord, You are my Lord. Apart from you, apart from you, I have no good thing. Do you know that in today's society, for you to say, if I were to say to the culture, I have no good thing apart from him. And they would say, apart from who? Apart from Jesus, I have no good thing. I have a beautiful wife, I have a beautiful daughter, I have two sons, I have a car to drive. I have no good thing without him. And the culture today is more like, you can be all you want to be. You can be the better you. Karen and I were in America many years ago, um, a children's ministry conference, and we were in a hotel in Atlantis. Well, it wasn't really great at all, but anyway. And um, there was a magazine like this, probably about, I don't know, a magazine. And every single page, every single page was a picture of some dolly bird with some funny hairstyle and what do you call these things that they do with the lips? But what? Buttocks. <laughs> oh, they look like it. <laughs> you can be a better you. You can be better than how God made you. You can do better with your life. You can be the better you. No, you cannot. According to Psalm 16, we can do nothing apart from God. It's how it started in the beginning with Adam. And it's going to end that way in Revelation where every knee will bow. Isaiah says, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. God is telling us from the beginning, do not think that my glory is going to go to your idol. And by the way, when I say idols, in the Old Testament specifically talking about carved out wooden things that people bow down to. It's, it's ridiculous to think that something they cannot, cannot see, taste, hear is, is your God. But in the context of today, your idol and my idol can be anything. It can be, a, what's that me? It can be money, can be your house. How big is my house? God will not give his glory to your idol. In Exodus 13, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Imagine that. The God that created heaven and earth. Imagine going, Wait, who is he? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am a sent me to you. That's quite a bold statement. Who you are? Who are you? I am. God is. I am. You have set your glory above the heavens. We read in Romans, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature has been clearly seen being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. 
It says men, but men and women are without excuse. Just purely from what we see outside, we will be without excuse. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour, pour forth speech. Every single day. I love this area. I mean, I'll, we live in Somerset West, but when that southeaster comes over and the, and the mountain, uh, the, the, the clouds come over the mountain, every single time that that cloud comes over that mountain, it's a different picture. You have a different picture every single time you look up and see this is my God's creation. You know, we even hear um, conversations happening nowadays from atheists or, or the media, people, non-believers, people that don't really believe in God, saying things like, what is going on in this world? If we look at all the um, natural disasters that are happening, the volcanic eruptions and uh, tsunamis and earthquakes, and then you look at the things that are going on with the woke nonsense. People are asking, is there an end time coming? And I'm talking about non-believers, people who do not believe in Jesus or do not believe in the end times are asking, is there an end time? Because it certainly looks like it. I think we are close. I don't know how far, but... From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise because of your enemies. From the lips of well-educated men and women who have studied for nine years, from the lips of people who have double-story mansions in Stellenbosch, from the lips of those most esteemed theologians, I can think of a few, Artie Kendall, Michael Eaton, Paul Hudson, in the same breath. From those people, I've ordained praise. Is that so? From the lips of infants, from the lips of children. Why is God telling us this? He's telling us this because there's nothing that you can bring to him. So much so that he would say that he's Praises, the praises to God can come from babes and infants. Your education and your status and your stature doesn't bring glory to God. Right now, as we're sitting here, inside those rooms, our children and young ones that are giving praise to God. And in fact... In Matthew 18, it says, At that time, Matthew 18, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Why do you think they were asking that question? I personally believe they were asking that question because they wanted God to say, they wanted Jesus to say, No, no, you guys that are following me, you guys that are giving up family and, and dwelling places to come and follow me, you guys are amazing. That's what I think they were trying to get out of him. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? 
he called to a little child and had him stand among him, and he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you change and become like this little children, this little children, these little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Isn't it amazing that Jesus would humble us like that? If you have faith and if you come to me like this little kid here, then you can come to, into the kingdom of heaven. Your great achievements on this planet are never going to get you into the kingdom of heaven. And unfortunately, this just happens to be truth. Some will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Like I said earlier, I believe God is speaking to some people here specifically, deep down in your heart. And I get it gesien, gesê in Afrikaans ook, laat jylle verstaan, jylle wat Afrikaans is. Deep down in your heart, God is pulling at you. You didn't come here because you were clever or somebody, somebody invited you, yes, or you just walked in. But God is drawing you closer and closer to him because he wants to deal with you in a nice way. You don't want God to deal with you in a not nice way. I've heard that a few times. That's why I've got many scars all over my body. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. That's also a warning for those of you that are parents and even those of you who don't have children yet. It's a warning that if we hinder little children or hinder a child in the faith that you'll be dealt with. You've ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Wow. Isn't it amazing that Jesus just always puts the standard one step higher every time? When people want to ask him a question and they want a clever, re they, want a, they want a response that they want to hear, he just comes and puts the bar another bit higher. Love your enemies. It's not easy, eh? I take great difficulty in loving taxi drivers on the end too. I hope none of you are taxi drivers. Verse 3. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. Wow. I, I'm, I'm not sure this is true, but I'm guessing astronomy, uh, the word astronomical comes from astronomy. Can somebody confirm that? The Greek word for astronomy is law of the stars. Isn't it amazing that God has put the stars in place and there's a scientific law in place to keep them there? I would hate it if there was no law to our planet. You know that light travels at, th think about this. Karen travels close to the speed when she's driving, but 
Not quite. 300,000 kilometers per second is the speed of light. Karen's 290 something. <laughs> you laugh, I'm telling the truth. I'll say now. Well, she's a good second to her. Everybody says, I taught all my children to drive, and therefore they drive like me. No, you don't. You drive like that one there. 300,000 kilometers per second is the speed of light. And our galaxy, our galaxy is 100,000 light years apart, which means traveling at 300,000 kilometers per second, it will take 100,000 years to get across our galaxy. I mean, is there a God? Are you serious? I would love to have a conversation with a very clever person that says there's no God. I don't know what I would say to him. You doof. <laughs> is that a bad word? No. Our galaxy is 100,000 years apart. And there are hundreds of thousands of other galaxies. And God set it in place. You know, the earth is tilted at, on its axis 23.5 degrees. And apparently, if it was half a degree this way, then we would, those people would burn and we, those people would freeze. I don't know what will happen to us. Maybe we'd fall off, I'm not sure. <clears throat> But the earth is tilted. There's a song by, who, oh, now I'm giving my age away. Who knows Carmen? Is this a, you know Carmen? Yes. There's Carmen people here. Yay. <laughs> okay, well, apparently there's, there, I don't know the words of the song, but Carmen sings a song about creation and the tilt of the earth and how perfectly in place every planet, every star, the earth, how it is just put into place. The power that holds the planets in orbit with mathematical precision. Some of you here are mathematicians and scientists and doctors and lawyers and clever people. But it's mathematical precision that the earth and the stars and the moon and the sun is where it is to do what it does. Once again, it rose and gave us sunshine, much needed sunshine. Isaiah 40. To whom then will you compare me, that I would be his equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these heavenly bodies. The one who brings out the hosts by number. He calls them all by name. Because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. Wow. Who will you compare God with? Last night we were watching a documentary with David Beckham. And he was a phenomenal soccer player. Played for England and Manchester United. Did I say Manchester United? <laughs> I'm a Liverpoolian. But he was a phenomenal player. And um, he got onto a very high pedestal and all kinds of havoc wreaked in his life. But the point is that there are many players or soccer players or rugby players that are 
incomparable. You can't compare anybody to Maradona. You cannot compare anybody to Pele or George Best. I know these are names you don't know. And whoever. <laughs> so God is asking through the prophet Isaiah, who will you compare me to? Who are you going to compare God to? The one who brings out these hosts one by one. He created them. This, the light of some of those stars has been traveling at 300 kilometers per second, 300,000 kilometers per second, and it's taken hundreds of thousands of years to get us. We are seeing a star that no longer exists. Who are you going to compare that God, that creator with? In your own time, when you get home, go to the book of Job. 38 and 39. Chapter 38, chapter 39. Read the whole chapter. Read all of it. I'll give you some more perspective of this God that I'm talking about. Verse 4. What is man that you are mindful of him? Why did God go to all this trouble? Why do we have children? or adopt children, or foster children. Why? They give us gray hair. Cost us money, sleepless nights, effort, petrol, heartaches. Why have children? To love them. To love them. Why did God go to all this trouble? To make us. And in this question, what is man that you are mindful of him? David is not talking about himself or, or you specifically. He's talking about all mankind, all human beings, all current seven, what are we, seven billion plus people on the earth? How many billion before have gone before us? How many billions or millions will come after us? What is man? What is human beings? What is man, woman, and child that you are mindful of him? Adonai, Elohim, God Almighty, why did you make us? Why are we here? What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you take care for him. Genesis 1, so God created man in his own image. In the image and likeness of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. God blessed man and God blessed woman in the beginning. Isaiah 64, yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Some of us are quick drying cement and not clay. God is the potter. He wants to shape you and form you as he has designed you. Ephesians 2. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are his workmanship. 
I'm an ex-tradesman, and it's a beautiful thing when you stick a big piece of metal into a lathe and you make something beautiful out of it, candlestick or whatever you want. It's workmanship. It's a machine that can do amazing things, a lathe. Well, you are his workmanship. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopters, adopted as his sons and daughters through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. 1 John, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. We are clay. God forms us. We are his children. We are his workmanship. That doesn't mean when I say that you are his workmanship, you are the clay, that you are special, that you can put yourself now on a pedestal and put God below you. That's why I say, when we wake up in the morning, we must remember that we do so in his mighty power. But the reason why I'm giving you these scriptures is because I still do believe that those words that were shared this morning is for somebody specifically, one or two of you, that don't feel that you are a workmanship of Christ. This scripture of how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God is really beautifully demonstrated by Karen's brother, <coughs> Gary, who, <laughs> when we go there for Christmas once in a blue moon, the, the presents are, oh, I don't have wires, I don't have to worry, are piled up like this under the Christmas tree. And one day, I, I, I don't know if I questioned him or Karen questioned him or we commented or whatever, <coughs> We're like, wow, that's a lot of presents. <laughs> and his reasoning was he wants to lavish his children with gifts and demonstrate the love of Christ and connect that lavishness of gifts with the lavishness of Christ's body and blood for us. I think still today they still do the same thing and remind their children the lavish love of God, the Father. I know it's not easy for some that haven't had a father, a father figure. It's not easy to relate to this beautiful love of our Heavenly Father. But I think today there is definitely a moment that God wants to speak to you and share that love with you. In prayer, um, one of the words that came up regularly by pity was response. (laughs) A lot of what happens to us in our lives is dependent upon our response. How do you respond? Thank God, the first time I asked Karen, she said yes. Her response was good. I know she added one or two, but it was still good. What is your response today? 
not maybe next week, maybe Christmas Day. When I get home, I'll think about it. No. Right now, as we speak, as I speak and I share the Word of God, remember the Word of God in John tells us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was Christ. The Word is Christ. It is God. And as I share the Word of God, not my Word, as I share this beautiful King of ours, as I share His Word, He's speaking to you, and the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is speaking to you right now. Maybe you've got that beating in your heart and you're trying to ignore it. God is saying, no, don't, don't ignore it. Verse 5, you made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. If we are children, then we are heirs. Do you know that you are a co-heir with Christ? A co-heir. The scripture does go on further, though, to say, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. So you can't just be an heir without having some sufferings. But those sufferings, you will be able to go through them with God's help. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler of the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. All flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. God put that in our hands. Now, unfortunately, it was given to Adam. It was given to us, man, don't just blame everything on Adam and Eve. He gave us, the, and who would like to face a lion face to face right now? Or a black mamba? Or a gorilla? Anybody? But yet, there was a time, long time ago, that God put all of those animals under our feet. They were subject to us. We could say, hey, gorilla. Back, back. Now you can't do that. Thanks, thanks be to sin. Your sin and my sin. Genesis tells us that God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth, and subjugate it and rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every living thing that moves upon the earth. And of course, in Colossians, we also have the thing of stewardship. Whatever you do, work from the soul as for the Lord and not for men. So when God blessed us and gave us all of this, he also asked us to be good stewards. Everything that you have, your house, your car, your job, your talents, your skills, God is saying, Work with that as if you're doing it for me. When Dani and Barand and Kanye, when they're up here strumming instruments and singing, they are doing it unto him. God has given him something, he's given it back. Whatever we do, 
Wouldn't it be nice to be able to have total control? You, you want to see what my car looks like? Ask Karen. It has got poo everywhere. Not dog poo. Bird poo. And I would love to say, hey, move on. But I don't have any control over those birds. What are those things? Heidi does. Shush. Put that thought out of your mind. <laughs> I said earlier on with that little frame of mine that the frame of this Psalm 8 was, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I read in Revelation, I saw no temple in it for the Lord God Almighty, the omnipotent, the ruler of all, and the Lamb are its temples. And the city has no need of the sun nor of the moon to give light to it, for the glory, the splendor, the radiance of God has illuminated it, and the Lamb is its lamp and light. Wow. You know the sun is quite a big ball of fire. I don't know how big it is, but it's huge. And it, and, and it burns your skin. And if it came that much closer, it would fry you. And it gives us light. The entire planet light. Or at least the area that it, it lights up. And we won't need that. The glory of God is going to be its light. None of you can give that kind of light. Nothing that you've ever done can give that kind of illumination. Only this God that we call, O Lord. So, to end off. I asked you early on, to take some time to ask yourself whether you felt unworthy or not good enough or is God really, does he really want me to come to him? And I want to say that this psalm with its framework of O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. If you can just say, Jesus, you are my king You are almighty. You are majestic. If you can settle that in your heart, if you can settle that in your mind, if you can even utter those words, then the rest will be filled in. But it takes that, as David very, um, yeah, repeatedly reminds us of who our God is. If you can do that, then he will meet you where you're at.